0: Welcome, everyone, to Talk is Cheap, the fight against mediocrity podcast. I'm so excited for today's guest, Bridger Pennington. Uh, He's the founder of two investment funds that have done over 217 deals in the last four years. He's actually in the process of launching a new crypto fund that has around $12 million in soft commitments. He has started helping others launch their own funds through Investment Fund Secrets, an online program with over 4,000 students designed to help them start investment funds without working on Wall Street or having an Ivy League degree. Um, they're known as Wall Street Rebels, which I think is really cool. Bridger has spoken on stage to thousands of people across the United States and is determined to help entrepreneurs scale their businesses through launching their own funds. So welcome to the show, Bridger. Kevin, good to, ha- good to be on here, man. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is probably, you're, you're probably used to hosting the podcast, right? You, you have your own podcast?
1: <laughs> I do. Yeah, I have. Yeah, we have our own show. Joe. I also, I'm on a lot of shows too. It's, it's fun. though. I think I love podcasts, way, I think they're just good.
0: They're just good for everybody. So yeah. Awesome. Um, so dude, just to get started, tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Um, I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. Let's dive into it. Um, and feel
1: free by the way interrupt me whenever cut me off, ask questions. Okay. Don't feel bad about it. All right. Some people feel bad yeah. about like, inter- like, no, interrupt me. Like, let's get this thing rolling. Um, yeah, I'll tell you just briefly my story. Um, the bio. anyways, you heard the bio. I, I, uh, I grew up in Utah, South Salt Lake. Um, I would say an average home in South Salt Lake. I went to college. I was very entrepreneurial. I had this just dream of, I needed to make money. I wanted, and I had all, the, I wanted to drive a cool car and all that cool stuff. I also wanted to make money, so that I could, you know, help out friends or family members that were sick or, you know, pay for someone's car, whatever, right? You had all these, these awesome things. Anyways, I get to college. I'm excited. I get to work. So I start six businesses my first two years of college. I, um, and those weren't business ideas. These were actual businesses that were up and running, making money, had sometimes had employees or whatever. I, we did, I did, uh, we did Forex trading. I, uh, built websites for people. We wholesaled two houses, I did Chinese tutoring. I had like seven tutors that were Chinese. I, I, I spoke Mandarin Chinese. I did an LDS mission in Taiwan. So I had all these all these, all these these guys tutoring Chinese. Anyways, finally, my dad, and you'll probably hear about my dad more, grabs me and says, Bridger, <clears throat> I love your ambition, but you're kind of like a chicken with your head cut off. He goes, I want you to go meet with my business partner. I think this guy can really help you out. And so I said, okay, I'll go, I'll go meet with this guy. So <clears throat> I drive up to this beautiful area. I kind of popped the thing, the address of my phone. I'm driving up, I pull through this gated community. I'm like, huh, like this is a pretty nice area. I pull past these huge mansions. And finally I pull up to the top of this gorgeous hill and there's this beautiful white home on top. And I'm like, shoot, like who's my dad's business partner? Like, dang, like this guy's wealthy, you know? And I get out, I go knock on the door and I'm a little nervous. Like a butler is going to come and like, you know be gone peasant, like get out of here. You know what I mean? And I get, I finally my dad's business partner answered. He goes, Bridger, come on in. He, you know, he brings me in. I, you know, he's got the grand piano, the wine cellar, the basketball court, the pool, the, the, the whole thing. Right. So anyways, long story short, I sit down with him. We start to chat and I finally ask him, I go, how did you get all of this? Like, how did you do this? And he goes, it's funny. Uh, not a lot of people ask me that question. And he goes, let me tell you. And he goes, uh, Bridger, when I was your age and you know, I started all these business, I actually did decently well. He goes, then I figured out the secrets of the wealthy, the secrets of the ultra wealthy. He goes, the ultra wealthy families of the world. This is what they do. They want their kids to go to the best universities and they cheat sometimes to get them in. We've seen that in the news, right? They uh, go to whatever university. They he, they want them to work in investment banking or consulting or whatever, but then they want them to go work in the fund world. They want them to get into private equity, hedge funds, or come back home and run the family office. This is what all the wealthy families of the world do. And if you look at the Forbes 100 list, it is riddled with fund managers. And there's one manager, uh, Ken Griffin, he runs Citadel. Probably, uh, you might've heard of him with the GameStop thing, but Ken Griffin makes just from his fund. This isn't, this isn't, um, uh, you know, like Jeff Bezos' stock price goes up and down based on Amazon stock. I'm not talking about net worth. I'm talking about income from his fund. Ken Griffin makes a hundred million dollars a month, wow. just from his fund. That's one income source pays him a hundred million. I don't even know what I would do with a hundred million dollars. <laughs> it's just crazy, right? A month, every month, you got to deploy that cap. Like I don't know. What you're, anyways, it's wild. Okay, so that's crazy. He, he introduced me to this fund where I was like, wow. And he goes, and he goes, when I was you know, younger, I met a guy that ran a private equity fund. And he said, I don't, he, at that point, he said, I don't care how long it takes me. I'm going to figure out what a fund is, how it works and how to launch when he goes, that's exactly what we did. And he goes, a number of years ago, we launched me and your dad actually launched a fund. And right now we manage just about $8 billion of real estate. To put that into perspective, that's, uh, as of today, four times bigger than Grant Cardone and Cardone capital. That was yeah. years ago today. They're over 20 something billion dollars. They're 10 times bigger than Grant Cardone, and Cardone capital to put it in perspective. Okay. Yeah. And I was shocked. I was like, holy crap, like this is incredible. Right. And I was super intrigued. And I said, okay, I, I want to do this. I want to get in this fund world. And, um, and I, I've always heard from like, you know, podcasts like this, right. Find a mentor. I'm sure you've said that before. Everyone talks about find a mentor. And I said, okay, I got a mentor right here. So I asked this guy, I said, hey, can you be my mentor? I'd love to learn from you. Can you, t- I got hustle. I promise like I'll do the work. And he goes, Bridger, um, you know, he goes, go talk to your dad. He goes, your dad, you know, knows this way better than I do. And I said, no, no, my dad's kind of poor. Like my dad drives a crappy car. We live in a, like an okay house. You're obviously really rich. Like I want to learn from you. And he goes, Bridger, um, sorry to break it to you, but me and your dad make about the same amount of money. And my chin dropped to the floor. I was like, huh? Like, come again? He's like, yeah, I mean, we're pretty much equal business partners on this. And I, I was shocked. I, I left this dude's house. I drove straight to my dad's house. I was like, dad, what the heck? Like, what's going on? Like, why haven't I been able to, to order a soda at Chipotle for the past 10 years? Because it's too expensive. And yet you're running this multi-billion dollar fund. Like, what's what's going on, Right. And, uh, anyways, I'm going too long again, interrupt me, but, uh, long story short, my dad, we sat down, he started to teach me about funds and we'd sit down on the whiteboard and talk about how funds are structured, the sec, how to raise capital, the whole nine yards. And there's a funny thing that happens when you start to learn about something, you start to recognize that thing in your life. And there's a bunch of different terms for it, but that's essentially what it is. Yeah. I, uh, I started to learn about funds. I was in college. I was actually at the time I was working a job at another company. And at that job, you can tell my my dad's not giving me money, right? I'm working a job, going to college, doing the whole thing, right? And I'm at this company and I had an idea like, wait, we could start a fund inside of this company. We could, there's clients coming through this company. We could lend money to these clients. I think it'd be a great idea. And I took this idea to the owners of the company. They loved it. They thought it was a cool idea. I took it to my dad. He thought it was a cool idea. And we started to formulate, I'm 22 years old at the time. And I was really excited. We started to formulate this idea to go out and launch this fund. And I was super excited. We put it together and I got all the docs together, the pitch deck, like all the stuff. And I was like, so excited. And I, and I was like, crap, I kind of hit this wall of like, shoot, now I've got to raise money. And I, for whatever reason, I overlooked this, but I was like, crap, now I got to go out and raise some money. And I thought, well, how am I going to do this? And I thought, aha, I had this like thing, like my brain like, okay, my dad, like obviously my dad's rich. He's doesn't spend his money on cars or like he's obviously got it in the bank or I don't know where it's at, yeah. but he would probably love to invest in me. I'm his son; he'd love it, right? So I remember it was a late Sunday night, and I um I walk into my dad's like home office, and I remember I was going to pitch him on this fund idea, and I, I sit down with him, and I I start talking about the fund. I said, Dad, you know, I got to it, and I finally just got to the point. I said, Dad, in my best best pitch voice possible, said, How would you like to be our first investor into this fund? And my dad kind of laughed and he said, um, Bridger, he goes, I have the money to invest, but if I invest in your fund, this will be a crutch that you'll never be able to recover from. Your first investor is your hardest investor to find. And this will, this will hurt your career going forward. And he he said, no, I'm not going to invest. And I was a little heartbroken and, uh, you know, like crap, my dad, you know, won't even invest in me. And I walked out with my tail between my legs a little bit and I said, screw it. I'm going to take him up on the challenge. And um, to make a long story short, I went out and raised, I talked to everybody I knew. I talked to former bosses, college professors, anybody, right? And I raised a whopping, after like three weeks, $49,500. Uh, and uh, which is teeny. If you know anything about funds, like that's like teeny, teeny, teeny dollars. Yeah. But it was enough to get started. We were actually, this the fund we were doing was these micro loans. They were like, a thousand to eight thousand dollars alone. They were very small. It was enough to get going. We started our first fund. I'm 22 years old at the time at, in college, and we we did actually really well. Our first group of investors, we got them a 64% return on their money, and I was I was really excited. We we decided to close that fund, open up a new one to restructure it and to raise a lot more money. Our second fund, we raised and deployed millions of dollars out of that fund, did really well. In that fund, our investors crushed it. I just sold that fund uh, March of last year. I sold it to a competitor, who came and bought us out. And um, and now, like you said in the bio, I'm now we're now in the process of launching two more funds. We have a mainly main, the main one I'm doing right now is our crypto fund. So we've got uh, a you no know, decent amount of capital pre-committed. We'll probably be launching here in a few weeks with uh, Dan Young, who you had you've listened to his podcast for Me and Dan Young partnered up. Dan has been yep. mining cryptocurrency since 2014. Anyways, we're doing a crypto fund all on staking and DAOs and DeFi, and it's going to be really fun. We've done decently well in our test portfolio, and it's been very fun. So, anyways. That's kind of what I've done. And then along that way, um, into this journey, we had a lot of people coming to me and my dad, and I didn't mention this. My brother actually is a securities attorney. So he does law for funds. So like we have the perfect family for funds, like there, you couldn't ask for a better group. And so we had a lot of people coming to us like, Hey, how do I do funds? How are they structured? How do I put them together? So we said, shoot, we might as well start some type of online, something, these people. And that's how we started investment fund secrets. So we started, uh, this group called investment fund secrets, which eventually started as a podcast, turned into a YouTube channel, then turned into, we started to sell, you know, courses and coaching. Now we have about 4,000 students, um, between our programs and coaching and all that kind of stuff. We've, we've have two student funds that are near or around a hundred million dollars. Um, we have a dozen or so funds between 10 and 20 million. And we have one student fund that's 2.5 billion dollars came out of our stuff which is just it's just crazy right it's just so cool to what how what what it's grown into and now we're doing live events we've got a big event we're throwing in vegas i mean it's like it's really fun we are it's like this secret world of funds that no one talks about we're kind of pulling back the curtain and like teaching people about it so anyways it's been really fun there yeah that's amazing
0: yeah i mean we could uh we could dive into so many different facets of your story and uh how many lessons there are about business and about perseverance and everything like that. I'm curious, you know, um, when you first started it, well, there's a lot of different things. First of all, what did you learn ultimately about focus from your dad's business partner? I mean, why do you think your dad, first of all, sent you to him versus just telling you and what did you learn about focus?
1: Oh dude, that's a great question. I have shiny object syndrome to like a T and you could tell that in college. Like I was starting all these businesses every couple of months, I had a new idea and I actually, I had a decent amount of like willpower to like, you know, actually kind of get it started and get going. But right as I got one going, I'd be, oh man, we could do like an Amazon store. Like, that'd be so cool. We could like go wholesale houses, right? Or like do an online course or something. And um, anyways, I kind of wore it as a badge of honor. Like people would ask me like, like, do you, I'm like, yeah, I run like, I learn, I run like three businesses, you know? And I'd like tell people that, like, I thought it was cool. Yeah. And that was the dumbest thing ever. Like name one successful person that started three companies at once and they all did well. Right. Like, yeah. unless your name's Elon Musk, like, I don't know anyone else, you know what I mean? And so, um,
0: and he never sleeps. So yeah,
1: and, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, Anyways, no, it, it was, it took me, and I actually, I had a, a, a professor at BYU. I, so I went to Brigham Young University, a great university. I was in the entrepreneurship. Like I took a bunch of classes for entrepreneurship there. So one professor gave me the best thing ever. And he said, Bridger, he's like, any business idea you have, you can fully vet in three weeks with 500 bucks. And, um, and I was like, huh? And then he goes, if it gets vetted, you can then, go all out on the business for seven months. And in seven months, you will know if it was a huge winner or if it's flops and you want to give up. And he goes, there's no benefit of doing multiple things like you need to go one at a time. And so I took that to heart and I, I changed and actually investment fund secrets, this company. And we've, you know, we've done okay, done decently well. We started, I said, okay, we got three weeks and we got 500 bucks of ad, it was ad spend. We put all that money towards ad spend to test out ads and see if we had a market for it. And, um, that first month we, or the first weekend we turned 500 bucks into $1,800 and we were like, shoot, like that makes, that was cool. The next, uh, 45 days we spent $80,000 in ads and we made back just about $81,000. Almost. We did a break even funnel, which was actually perfect. We built this huge list and we had all these buyers and all these people that we could test and have data on. And, uh, we gave it a seven month trial within seven months. We'd already done a million dollars in sales and, uh, or sorry, maybe it was, let's see. No, yeah, it was about it was about eight, almost eight and a half months. We hit our first million dollars, and it was like, wow, you know. And um, I think I, I think that's one of the best advice I ever got was each every business you can just give yourself a deadline and a budget, and fully go in, fully vet. Don't dabble. And I in my back of my head, I said, you know what? If I, I got seven month chunks over five years, I can, I bet I'll hit one. Like you know, if I can just survive over five years, I'm going to hit one that makes me a couple million bucks. You know, I'll just keep trying. And as long as I go all in, if I dabble, I know I won't make it. And because I, I tried dabbling and I did all these little businesses for years and it didn't work. And so I had to take do a change of action. I think that was, that was huge for me to have.
0: And so I love that. That's actually really good advice. i never, I I've heard obviously, Hey, get a customer before you build the product to actually see if there's a need for it. I mean, don't spend you know, a year building something and then be like, Hey, here it is. Yeah. Again, yeah. unless you're Elon Musk, then you could probably do it. But
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I love that model too. I think, I think sell first is a great model, but I love the timeline and budget. I think it's awesome.
0: So during that, you know, okay. Someone's listening. They have an idea. They have 500 bucks. Take us through some of those steps during the first seven months. What, what dictates to you? Hey, this is a winner. This is not a winner.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, what I, I will vet first before I hit the seven months, I'll do 30, like 30 days or three, even three weeks, 21 days. Um, for me, just cause I know it and it depends on your product, but what we did, I love social media for that. Now, social media, not to your friends and family, but spending dollars. I wanted to see if I could spend money on ads, if people would click on them and actually, you know, opt in or convert. So literally what we did, this is for investment fund secrets. We made, I, I got my iPhone out. We filmed like 10 ads and we did, we picked different niches. We said, Hey, do you want to learn about funds for real estate? We do a whole ad on that. Do you want to learn about funds for Forex? Do you want to learn about funds for crypto? Do you want to learn about funds for uh, whatever, right? Do you want to learn about something different? Right? We ran, we had about 10 ads. We made three or four landing pages, which we use ClickFunnels. It's super easy. Just throw a freaking logo on that. Like we didn't even have a logo. We just throw a headline. We made a little video. And actually we didn't have a video. We made like little things, little pointers of what we would sell. And I wanted to see if people would put their email in. And then the next page, if they did that, I was like, well, let's see if we can sell them something. And so then I built, I, this is, you don't have to do this, but we built out a product of what we wanted in a product and we sold it for $47 on that page just to see. We're like, do you think anybody will buy this? Like, I don't know. Right. And, um, we had all these pointers, what we'd add. And we had, um, that, like I said, that first weekend we made 500 bucks turned into about $1,800. And we were like, shoot, like, this is awesome. And every time someone bought, we sent them an email right away. Hey, the product is not built. If you want a refund right now, you can have a refund, like just take the money. Like we don't care. We it's really just for testing. But if you want to wait around, this product will be done in about three or four weeks.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: um, and of, we had about 45 buyers that first two weeks. And I think, two of them refunded the rest state and we were t- the refunds were fine I was like i don't care i wanted okay. to see what ads they clicked on what hooks what hooks were good what message resonated and we then built a product around what made sense and um and then that plays into the second thing that i think is so crucial for you know i there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there and i was a entrepreneur for a while the you know I want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm, I don't have a business. I don't know what to do, but I, you know, I want to be like, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. Momentum is the biggest thing that you can use to your advantage. And so we, um, and I don't, I'm sure you've done this. I've done this so many times. We always get a bunch. You have a business idea. Everyone gets on a zoom call. You guys all talk about it on a zoom call. And then you're like, okay. Um, okay. Everyone break. We'll meet next week. And then you come back next week and no one's done anything. And then you meet the week after that. And it like, and then your business fizzles out in three months. Yeah. I've done that so many times. I can't even tell you all my businesses. I have now when I have partners that I'm bringing in, I, we have to get dollars in the door as quickly as possible because it builds momentum. Yeah. And for us, we made that first little 800 bucks. And we were like, shoot, like this thing's got some legs. And all of a sudden me and my business partner, the other guy we were working with, everyone was like, okay, let's put our focus on this. We got something here. Right. And that's how, you know, people are like, how do these entrepreneurs work so hard and stay up late? It's like, cause it's fun. Like, it's not like they're grinding. Like it's fun when you have money coming in and momentum. It's not like your business dies when it's just like Zoom calls and no one builds anything. Like no one's, you know, so I like to get momentum in across the door. And that's anyways, we, and then we built out that, we built out our whole, we built out a little mini course, with like 12 videos on it. It was an information product. Um, we built it all in three days. I was editing it all night up with me and my wife were editing all of it but it was, yeah, we had momentum. Right. And it was way fun. And then we went, we kind of launched the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And anyways, it was really fun. That's, what I, got your, That's what I would do. Now
0: You've got your, uh, conference coming up this year in Las Vegas, right? Tell us about that. Yeah. So, um,
1: I have had a dream since I was like little of, I just love events and being on stage and like speaking for whatever reason. I don't know why. I just think it's fun. It just invigorates me. Like people ask like, what's that one thing that gives you passion? Like I love talking to an audience and like trying to move an audience and I, I don't I'm not that great of a speaker I'm trying to get better I, I actually actively train and try to be a better speaker yeah. um, and uh, it's just so cool like I just love it So anyways I I was trying to get on stages for like the last two years I've been trying to speak on stages and get people to have me at their event and everyone said no and so I said screw it I'll just throw my own event like you know <laughs> so like yeah. screw everybody like we're, so we, we're doing a thousand people in Vegas. It is the first fund manager conference of its type. Um, like n- there's never been a fund so manager cool. conference ever. So we are bringing in fund managers from all over the world to speak. Um, economics people, it's going to be a three-day event. We've got some amazing lineup of speakers. It's going to be really fun. So that's the event we're doing in April. And other, the other thing with events too, I just, it just, it, they're, they're so fun. I love being, they're just immersed. There's something about being immersed in something. Again, back to like not dabbling. If you immerse, like that's back to Tony Robbins. You go all in for four days on something. You come out with things that shift and move your business that do really big things. I was talking to one of my mentors. He's, you know, worth a few hundred million. And it was funny. He says, he's like, Bridger, most businesses are start, started in one day. It takes about one day to start a business. He goes, most businesses that I'm part of, it takes about one day to start them. I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, all the, the ideas and the mechanics and stuff, we typically, it all happens in a 24-hour time span. And I was like, really? And he goes like, and then yes, there's the fallout of you know you got all the assignments to do, but the actual idea and the creation of it in your brain happens in that. So you see like guys like Gary V like Gary V um took his whole team, rented out a, a house in Maui for like three days or something like that, and they built uh, V Friends that whole project that made sixty million dollars on their launch. They built wow. it in three days, all of it. You see these other entrepreneurs that do this. They go rent a cabin out. And they bring all their teams like. I just I believe in the immersive the immersive aspect of it. And um anyways, sorry, I keep going on tangents. Keep dude, Kevin, you gotta well, dude, you gotta like- hop in interrupt me because I keep rambling on.
0: <laughs> well, a big part of it is getting around the right people, right? It's yeah. the the mastermind of getting a lot of really smart people together and what's created from that um just blows up. I so I'm curious. Me and you are speaking at an event in March 31st, I think. The legacy.
1: I yes, can't remember
0: yep. what it's called, but, uh, I'm curious, what do you do actively to become a better speaker?
1: Um, that's a good question. I, I have a course from Brendan Bouchard. Okay. Called World greatest speaker. I think it's an awesome course. There's like vocal cord warmups. Um, I, uh, I actually, the reason I started my podcast was to practice speaking. I practice some people, you don't know this, but on my show, I practice topics that I want to get better at speaking it. And, um, I actively plan out stories that I'm going to share. And I, I, again, I'm not that great at this, but, um, like if you, if you back to that, that you asked me how to get started in business, right? That story I just told you is a crafted story. Yeah. That's a very, that's a, that's a story. It took me about six months to put that thing together and it sounds like it's just so natural and it comes off the tongue and, and, um, That story took me a long time to to master. And actually the reason I took so long, I had a mentor and I paid for a coaching group It was $15,000, this thing. And one of the biggest things he said, he said, if you're going to do a online brand or whatever, he goes, it all comes down to one thesis that makes or breaks your business. And I was like, I kind of leaned in. I was like, what do you mean? Like, what's like, what's the thesis? Right. He goes, this has, and he goes, this guy, so Steve Larson, I'll, I, I'm, by the way, I have no problem sharing names of people. This is Steve Larson. He was Russell Brunson's right-hand man for years. He's launched all these multi seven-figure funnels and all these brands he's launched for under with him. And he goes, what made or break it was their origin story. The reason why they were in business. And if you think about all of the actors, the sports icons, people that you love that are kind of famous, there's a good chance you know their story. And you, something about their story resonated with you. And you said, wow, I love that this athlete came from this type of a neighborhood and went to this type of university and had this hard break and then they succeeded. Um, it's rare for us to just see someone big and we don't know their story. And we go, oh, I like that person. We typically, and people engage with that audience way better. Um, one of my friends, um, she's actually from Draper, Utah. Her story for moms, she's one of the biggest fitness influencers on the planet. And her story- was, um, uh, she tried to lose weight. So she's a mom. She had, I think one or two kids. She had some, you know, some fat on her. She's like, okay, I'll lose weight. So she lost, uh, 20 pounds. So she was 140 pounds. She lost 20 pounds. So she's 120 pounds and she still was a little flabby. And so then she lost another five pounds. Like she did the diet, she did the whole thing. And she still kind of looked flabby. And so she was like, screw it. I'm going to go work out and put muscle on. She put on 20 pounds of muscle. So she was back to 140 the same weight, but she looks amazing. Like she looks like incredible, right? She posts all these pictures and all these moms were like, yes, that story resonates with me, right? Instead of starving ourselves, let's actually be athletes. Let's like put some muscle on. And she like, she was on good morning America instantly. She was on all these shows, right? Because her origin story was so fantastic, right? And so- you are your greatest hook you'll ever have. And so um, anyways, that, sorry, long answer. You asked about being a better speaker. That story, if you, if you look at it, I, f- I try to follow the hero's journey. And again, you might say, well, a story is just a story. You can tell a story in 30 different ways, right? Different angles, different aspects of it. Um, I think you're, if you can, as far as your origin story, if you can follow the hero's journey, which just, I I won't talk about that here, but you know, it's the journey of Frodo. It's the journey of uh, Luke Skywalker. It's the same thing, right? If you notice in my story, I plug in a lot of those things, an internal, external belief. At the beginning, I said, I had this external belief. I wanted to, you know, drive a bunch of cool cars, but also internally, I wanted to help my family and make sure I had money for my family. That's that's in there. I add those little lines because it's part of the hero's journey story. And then you have this first challenge and then build them and I hit a wall. My wall is my dad won't invest my money. And I, and I talk really slow when that comes. I make you feel it. I go, man, my dad didn't want to invest. And I like, it really hit me. And I was like, shoot, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I walked out with my tail between my legs. And I was like, okay, what's next? And then right then I changed the beat. I go, you know what? I said, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. I went out and pitched everybody I knew. I raised a whopping $48,000 and You know, and then you share your, you know, the hero's true journeys where you share the external thing and then the internal, how you change. Anyways, if you want me to keep going, I can talk about that forever. It's such a fantastic way to craft a great, and that's the thesis of your podcast, your online show, your online brand. That origin story is so crucial to what you do. And um, so anyways, that's a huge piece. If I'm going to tell anybody to be a good speaker, have a great origin story, a great hook. You are the greatest hook. And if you don't have a great hook, Think back, obviously create a hook, do something crazy. Um, sorry, I I, drew Manning, do you know, Drew Manning fit to fit, to fat, to fit.
0: Oh yeah. He
1: created a hook. He said, screw it. I'm going to gain, I don't know, like 50 pounds and I'm going to lose it all back. That's an incredible hook. And he just, he didn't have like this. I didn't grow up in the ghetto, whatever. He just said, I'm going to create a hook. I'm going to gain 50 pounds and then lose it all. That was his hook. And guess what? He's on all these TV shows. He's a worldwide name and done incredible.
0: So Iron Cowboy, similar thing. I think yeah. he he definitely created that. I love that. My favorite part of that whole thing was that it took you six months to craft it because I'm working on mine and it's hard. When you read Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson, he makes yep. it all seem so easy. <laughs> yeah, And then you start doing it, you're like, yeah. dude, this is, um, this is hard. But the hero's journey, I mean, one, I think, one of the greatest speakers of all time, in my opinion, is Steve Jobs because he had that ability to um, take you through that journey and get you rallied towards his, his cause. Yeah. Um, the other then, thing I'll add,
1: can I add one yeah. more thing that I think is so cool, especially if you're going to be on stage presenting. Um, I love, uh, and Russell will talk about this kind of and a few other guys, um, breaking down false beliefs in a certain order. So you hear about that, like, hey, you got to break down your audience false beliefs about getting them some kind of result. Um, we They take that a step further of doing a, through a process where you do them in order. And the order we follow is vehicle, internal, external. So when I give a present, like I do webinars all the time. At the beginning of the webinar, I'll, I'll tell my origin story or whatever, but I'm trying to break down false beliefs because people most hear me, they go, oh, there's no way I can start a fund. I could never start a fund. And so I go, well, no, I'm going to break that. That is the first belief I'm going to try to break down. That's the big domino where you're going to try to topple. And typically how our brain works is we go, we think about things that are related to the vehicle first. So anything related to the vehicle of funds, do funds actually work? Do they actually make money? And so I can tell all these examples. Ken Griffin makes $100 million a month. Okay, funds obviously work. Funds work for me. I only raised $50,000. It worked for me, right? There's this huge delta. Um, It works. So that's all the stuff we try to break down. Yes, funds work in general. Then the next question a person has typically is, okay, I get that funds work, but do funds work for me internal? Yeah, I get that it works for Bridger and all these other guys, but can I do a fund? So next I'll share all these examples of, okay, well, I have this, this girl from North Dakota. She started a fund and this guy from California started a fund and they started in this different industry. And I try to share examples to break down No, it works for you. And it could work in your industry. You're in, you know, sales. Okay, you can do a fund for sales. Let me tell you an example of that. And then finally, typically the last one, that's the, you know, usually the least important is external. So vehicle, internal, external. So external is all, okay, uh, what's legal? Time, money, knowledge, right? Those things. And you'll see this in sales too. It's a similar, it's the same process. You're talking to somebody on the phone. You got to break down their vehicle concerns, internal concerns, and external concerns. And usually in that order. People will ask you questions at the beginning about external things. How much does it cost? What's the time, you know? But in turn, they actually really, they aren't sold on the vehicle yet. Or they aren't sold on, does this vehicle work for me? They'll ask you the wrong questions. And as a salesperson, you've got to come back and say, okay, hold on. Are you sold on the vehicle? Do you understand this vehicle works? Are you sold that it can work for you? Okay, if that's both sold, yes. Let's talk about time, right? It's not even worth doing that. So it's really interesting if you look at, um, we do this in a lot of big marketers, look at their sales pages. Their sales, our sales pages right now are broken down vehicle, internal, external. The top talks all about vehicle. The middle talks all about internal. The end talks, talks all about external. Our emails, our videos I put out, I put out videos in a sequence, vehicle, internal, external. And when I do a pitch to investors, I get that pitch deck formulated vehicle, internal, external. I think it's one of the Biggest breakthroughs I ever had. I, I, um, I've heard it from a bunch of different entrepreneurs and it's, I think it's crucial for any type of business you're in.
0: Dude. I love that breakdown. I've read that before from Russell Brunson, but it was so you, you made it so much more simple, um, as you broke it down in in your business. And, uh, so where did you learn that? Was it the Steve Larson?
1: Um, so Russell kind of brought me up to it. He talks to me, Russell Brunson, Steve Larson talks about it a lot. Um, uh, Oren Claff has a book called Flip the Script. Fantastic book on pitching. And how do you like flip the script? How do you get people to pitch you to allow them to buy your product, right? That's a totally different sale. And you, have you ever had that before? You're like, please let me buy this thing from you, right? And it's like, wait, how did that salesperson do that? Like, that's pretty impressive. And oh. he has a whole book on that. Um, and uh, what's his name? He wrote this awesome book. Um, it's called... It's about webinars. It's called 100. Oh man, I'm, I forgot. Anyways, there's another book I read that really broke that down too. So, anyways, a few people that I've learned that from.
0: That's awesome. What What is your? A lot of everyone that's listening to this podcast is obviously interested in improving themselves. You what?
1: Um, sorry, my camera's about to die. Oh, you're good. We're just switching the battery here. See, boom, bada bing, we're back. Thank you. Oh,
0: cool. Yeah. Um. Obviously, everyone listening to this podcast is interested in improving themselves and growing. What does your self-development plan look like? You know, what are you investing time in as far as books, podcasts, conferences, things like that to grow? Obviously, you know, you've given us tons of knowledge right here, and you've given it to us in a short amount of time. But I'm sure it took hours and hours for you to learn it.
1: Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm an active, active learner. I'm a dropout of college and I actively invest in my education. I spend probably about six figures a year on my own education. Um, whether it's conferences, mastermind groups, whatever. Um, some of the groups, I'll, I'll just tell you some of my favorites. I, I have gone to funnel hacking live. I love Russell stuff. I think it's one of the best events ever thrown is funnel wow. hacking live. I've gone, I just went to Tony Robbins a few months ago. Um, as far as events, uh, those guys just do an incredible job. I'm a part of, um, Avengers masterminds, 30 grand a year. Another one's 20 grand a year. I, I bought, we just bought a YouTube course for, you know, anyways, five, 10 grand of Facebook. I have, I bought a course on Facebook groups, how to build a Facebook group. It was like 10 grand. And anyways, I actively pay cause I want shortcuts. I pay yeah. for shortcuts. Yeah. I can go on YouTube and learn this thing for 200 hours, or I can pay somebody and learn it in three hours. I actively do that. Those are a few of my favorites Um, as far as other self-development. So I, I actively like learning from those people as far as business goes. Um, I, I'm always trying to read, obviously you guys all know, I read podcasts, you know, read books, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. I'm always trying to listen. Um, one that's huge for me, I think that is overlooked in the business community is self like true self-development, um, working on attributes, um, patience, you know, diligence, um, being charitable, you know, like stuff like that. Um, right now I've been working on patience a lot. I got a brand new baby that screams all night <laughs> and sometimes you get a little impatient. You're like, man, just shut up. Like, you know, and, and I find myself sometimes getting, and I, in the past, haven't been that impatient. And all of a sudden, like with a baby, I just like once a week, I'm just like, I get like even last night, dude, I had the baby in my arms and I was just like, I was like, dude, it's been like 20 minutes of you crying. Like, and I was getting a little, like, and I finally stopped. I was like, okay, I'm not going to like, you know, hurt my kid. Like, you know, you're like I'm not going to throw him out a window or something, but I was, I had to stop. I was like, okay, hold on. And I, and I've actually been training, trying to train myself and read about it and study and pray for that help. And to try to, and I, I anyway, it's different cues. I think that's overlooked in the, in the business community is tr- like true self-development, like working on, okay. Uh, I typically get road rage, like, how? What are things that I can do to stop that scene from happening where I get mad while I'm driving? Or I constantly, not constantly, but I, you know, maybe once a month or twice a month, I argue with my spouse a lot. How can I f- figure out when that moment is coming and make sure that I don't get angry and frustrated and redneck that I can be calm and patient or, you know, more forgiving through that? Um, anyways, I think it's a it just takes a conscious effort is what it really takes. And then you, you know. If you're just conscious about it, and you can obviously use some triggers and tools and stuff, but that's one of my favorite things. And I'm not cool. good I mean, at it at all, but I it's good to try. It's good to be conscious of it yeah. and keep you know keep trying.
0: I mean, basically, for anyone who's Christian, you just explain the Christ-like attributes, right? Becoming yeah, more yeah. of a a Christ-like person and everything that you do. Which I mean, I'd love to touch on a few things you just talked about, including I love the idea of spending money. Um, to decrease the amount of time it takes you to learn something. Because basically what you're doing is you're reaching forward in the future and taking what took them five years to learn, and you get it now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, money's and all Tony over Roberts,
1: the place, He but- talks about you, the, the people that spent decades to write a book, and they condes- condense it down to 300 pages for you to read. Like, it's just, you get these huge shortcuts. It's incredible. I think it's it's really fun.
0: Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Just spend the money on self-development. Self yep. You always get it back. Which leads me to one of my next questions. One of the things that I admire about you is um, your ability, as I've watched you since I've been following you, your ability to, you know, crush it in business and, and do well while keeping things in perspective. You know, it's obvious that you put your family and your religion in very high regard in everything that you do. How do you manage that? How do you keep everything in perspective?
1: Well, I don't know if I'm that great at it, but, um, yeah, I, I think for me recognizing that's, that's why I'm here is because of my family and my religion, I would say. And not, I would say religion, but more of my belief and connection with God. Um, I have for, and I'll talk about that for a second. Almost every, actually every business transaction I do, I pray about. Now, sometimes I get an answer or not or whatever, but I, I consult God on every business transaction I ever do. And um, I've had some where I have been told, do not work with this person. It is, and I, and I don't know, I still don't know. I still, the jury's out if that's going to be a blow up, or something like people that I would tell you right now and you'd go, you're an idiot not to partner with that person. I've had people come pitch me that these huge things, whatever, and I just felt so bad about just do not work with that person and so I just said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to test the boundary of that. And I, I've had too many experiences in my life where I followed what I felt like has been given me from God and it has worked out incredibly well. And so I'm, I'm, I'm all in, um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm an all in type of member. I try to be a, just a, you know, a regular average member and just do my thing, you know? And I think it just, it has benefited my life so much. And so, um, Yeah. I, I, and I hate, I hate these entrepreneurs that make it big and then forget every, everything that got them there. And they, they, all of a sudden they just beat their own chest. Like, yeah, it was me. I did everything. I was the greatest one ever, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, like, hold on. What about all those other things that lined up perfectly for you before? You know what I mean? And anyways, and they just disregard, you know, they they, they divorce their wife. They, you know, they leave their religion or God or whoever they've leave their family. Like, it's just like, and I get some things are toxic in your life. I understand that's totally. And I get that, but I just, I think I see it so often where money corrupts people and money, not corrupts people. It just makes them more of what they already are. I guess you could say that in another, yeah. in another way. And I just, I, I hope to not be that person. I anyways, who knows though? I, I, uh, I'm trying my best. I don't know. I don't know. Everyone's on a different spectrum. I have an incredible wife that keeps me in check like all the time. (laughs) And uh always make sure I'm not posting something like, anyways, anyways, she's awesome. Like if I I I like I like cars, I like racing cars, it's like one of my passions. And if I post like something that's a little too flashy with a car, like she just I take it down instantly because she always texts me and like, anyways, and it's I you don't have to be that way. I just I that's how I am. And so I believe in, I think our and actually as a marketing perspective though, people. Are so sick of the flashy douchebag entrepreneur. Like people are so sick of it. the Ty Lopez, like on, you know, in my Lamborghini. Like it's just like, dude, we just want real people that give us good value, good knowledge, and have a story that we can connect with. And, you know, it's cool if you're rich or not rich. Like, I, cool. Like, who cares, you know? And um, I don't know. I, back to your question, I don't really know. I, I keep it as a core of my life. I just think um, that's where I derive true happiness from. And so that's why it's a priority to me. I Money's fun. I think it's a game. I think business is the funnest game on the planet earth, but true happiness comes from my, my wife, my kid, and how I feel about my connection with others around me and my connection to God. And so anyways, why not put that as a first priority in your life if that's what gives you real happiness? Yeah.
0: Is that a yeah, good like an answer? I, mean, I don't
1: know. If you want to add anything to that, you can. I don't know.
0: Well, no, I, I just, it's, uh, I mean, my, you're right. Money's an amplifier for what, whoever you are, the more money you have, the more it's going to amplify what you done, what, who you are. I think what I found is I'm trying to learn from people who do it right and do it wrong because I hear of people, they tell me, Hey, I crushed it. I'm making a million dollars a month, but I'm still not happy. And so I hear that and I say, okay, money's not going to make me happy. So enjoy the journey, enjoy the game. But if I focus on it too much, it's not going to bring me happiness. So what's really going to bring me happiness? Well, you know, my family, my faith, those around me, my relationships, because you can't take anything with you when you leave, except for your relationships and what you put up here in your mind and who you are as a person. So ultimately, you know, I just, I just appreciate what you said as far as your perspective on it as well.
1: Yeah. I think to that point too, so, you know, business, we just, we don't, we spend a lot of money on time on making money. Like, oh, I'm going to buy the course. Like I am that way. I go to the conference. Like how much time and money do I spend on becoming a better husband? Yeah. You know, or becoming a happier person. Like it doesn't, it's just not as sexy in the business community to do that. Or just people just don't talk about it as much. And obviously though, just is valuable and probably more, more important than all those other things. And so, um, you know, you hear these stories of these, you know, the billionaire that his kids hate him and never want to talk to him again, you know, or the the person with this huge following and influence, but, you know, family's estranged from him or doesn't, you know, lives this empty life or wants to kill themselves. I mean, look at Robin Williams. Robin Williams was beloved by the entire world, right? You ask anybody, Robin Williams was one of my favorite actors of all time. The dude shot himself. Robin Williams shot himself because... He lacked something in his life yeah. to a deep degree and did not work on that side of his life. And it's, you know, it, it's time, time again, you can see that. So it's, yeah. it's crucial.
0: Dang that, that we got deep here. ending the podcast, but, uh, I appreciate that. I want to be conscious of your time. Um, this has been amazing for anyone listening, go back and re-listen to it again. There's so many amazing pieces of information that can help you be successful in business and in life. Um, Bridger, for those who want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, um, two ways. Actually, I've got a couple of free gifts for you guys if you want them. Um, Anyways, if you want to connect with me though, Instagram is the best, Bridger underscore Pennington. I've got about 10 fake accounts. So make sure it's the real one. <laughs> Dude, the fake account people are just hustlers, man. I'll tell you what. Um, anyways, <laughs> they, they, I, we get them shut down. They open up a new, it's crazy. Bridger underscore Pennington, send me a DM or whatever. I'll connect with you there. Um, and then if you guys actually, we put together a free course on funds. So I have a whole course, like 40 videos on investment funds, how to structure them, kind of the, all the stuff there. So, and again, you hear the word free and it's like always like, oh, it's a scam or like whatever. This is why I'm doing it, Okay. I have a free course on funds we t- we give it to everybody. I want you to come in, learn about funds and I want to knock your socks off. I-, I want you to come in and be like, "Wow, that content was incredible. Like this is this is a game changer for me." And hopefully some of you guys will want to work with me and my team like one-on-one event down the road. So we actually have a we have a, we have about 9 coaches now. We have about 220 students that we have on our top tier Coaching group called Black Card, where we help them one on one and like really help them launch their funds. I hope you come into our free course. We knock your socks off, and you're like, shoot, I want to learn with Bridget. Okay. That's my off. Op- That's me being transparent. Sound good? It's 100% free. You put your name and email in, you're in. Okay. So if you want the free course, slash free gift. So investmentfundsecretscom free gift. You guys can go check out that free course. Um, we have a free Facebook group. I go in live multiple times a month in there as well. Um, under investment fund secrets. So check us out there, but that free gift is, is actually, it's a really good course. It's actually, I think I mean, it's, I mean, I'm I'll throw it, that. I'll it's throw my, it in it's the my description course, so but I'm saying that it's it. good. But anyways, there you go. So Instagram or that free course.
0: That's Alex Hormozy transparency right there.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: I'll throw, I'll throw the link in the description. Um, you're a stud. My last question, my favorite question, uh, to hear people's perspective on is What does the fight against mediocrity mean to you? Yeah, it's a good question.
1: Um, I I'll, I'll share something. My dad ingrained in my brain since I was little, he, uh, we'd go out, you know, to dinner somewhere and he'd always point this out to me. So we'd go to like a Chinese restaurant and he'd go look at that guy there. there." And I, and it was the owner of the the business and he, and he was like a friend of my dad's or whatever. He goes, that dude moved here from Korea or China or somewhere five years ago, didn't speak English. The guy now still can't speak. He barely can speak English. Now he's got this restaurant, another restaurant down the road and like owns a laundromat down the street. The guy has three businesses, barely speaks in English. He's an immigrant to this country and he's doing pretty well. My dad would look at me and say, you have no excuse not to be successful in this country. You you have English as your first language you went to public schools that were decent schools and got an education there. You have the opportunity to go to college if you want to. And you, you have freaking YouTube that you can look up any video, any topic at any time and learn something. He goes, you have no excuse not to be successful. You have every opportunity on the planet by those four things. And that, that stuck with me as a kid. Um, and he'd always pointed out and, and, um, and just, he, my dad made a, a conscious effort to to show me that. And I think, you know, we, you look at your life, right? And you always hear like the people on their deathbed regret what they did not did. And I, you know, and you think about um, time and history. If we lived 200 years ago or 500 years ago in England, if you wanted to be somebody, you had to own land, be in the right family or have just a crazy, a war or something, you know what I mean? You had to have some crazy circumstances, to have a castle, essentially. In today's world, if you apply yourself and work hard, you can go buy a castle whenever you want. And we live in this little blip of history that's so unique that anyone from any background, any culture, any country, any language can go out and absolutely murder it and crush it. And you see these people time and time again because they pop up on your feet or whatever. It's incredible. Who are you not to go out and take a chance on yourself? And, um, sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to share one or two more things. If that's okay. Um, yeah. but the, uh, I had a, I had a great guy in college. I was, I was in college. I, this guy was from Harvard. He came and talked to our class. And after I was talking to him kind of on the side and I, and I talked about this business idea that I had, and I said, well, I'm just kind of nervous. It won't work out or the risk. What if I fail? And he looks at me and he goes, Bridger, he goes, do you have a one or two parents? And I said, yeah. And he goes, if, you know, if things really broke down, Would your parent or two parents let you move in with them for a few months and sleep there and kind of get back on your feet for a few months? And I said, yeah, he goes, it'd probably be a little embarrassing, but like, would they let you back in? I said, well, yeah, like, like, obviously my parents, you know, they, they love me. They'd left me come sleep on the couch, whatever, like for sure. And he goes, would you have a fridge full of food, you know, and maybe some air conditioning and stuff in that house? And I said, yeah, you know, and he goes, if that, that right there is your worst case scenario. You got to move in with your parents. You absolutely fail, right? that is better than 90% of the world current living standards. You have a wow. warm bed with food in the fridge and AC and a parent or two parents that love you. If that is your worst case scenario, you have no excuse not to take a risk in life. Yeah. And if you don't take the risk now, and you're going to think back when you're old. Oh man, when I was 30, I should have written that book. When I was 40, I should have you know, done that business. When I was 50, I should have done this. And when I was 60, now I'm too old, right? We got one life to live. You live in a time where there are so many safety nets to catch you. If you're on government assistance in the United States, government assistance, you make more money than 80% of the world every day. Like you're, you're, A government check is 80, makes 80% more money than <laughs> the rest of the world. You have no excuse not to take a chance, especially in America. And um, whatever that thing is, we, we talked about some tactics today that you can try out and use. That's what I would say. Go out and freaking try. And for me even, I'm in the game. I'm trying these businesses and stuff. We all fail and go back to zero. Cool. I learned a ton. We have a culture that rewards failure. We have a culture that rewards. If you get slapped in the face and you fall down, people go, you know what? That was a pretty, pretty cool learning experience. And guess what? Most of those people end up doing really well. Anyways, the true mediocrity is being average for me. If I get a job, a W two and I make $60,000 a year for 30 years doing whatever, I would die inside. It just is a, I feel like I just wasted this God given chance I have to have life and be here. And anyways, I go on for an hour, Kevin, thank you so much for having me on. You're amazing.
0: Dude. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Um, again for those who are listening go follow Bridger Uh, I guarantee everyone that listened to this loved it so go listen to him follow him learn from him more thank you so much Bridger
1: thank you